Be turning in your Bibles, book of Revelation, chapter 4. Actually, chapter 1. We'll start there and uh, we'll get to chapter 4. We have a new series that Raphael has started up. I tell you, he, uh, he thinks up some great stuff. Uh, you're going to really enjoy, I think, uh, our study here of uh, the concept of worthiness. And uh, we're going to start today with Jesus being worthy. And uh, then we'll go from there. Sorry for the uh, added temperature in here. Uh, I'm surprised Chris thinks it's cool. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you li- oh, she said I lied. Okay. Uh, she was trying to uh, actually convince us it was cool when it's not. But uh, anyway, we'll live. You know, it's amazing to, uh, if you think about it, we're the, uh, probably the, maybe what, maybe the second generation, third generation at the most of people in the world that have ever had air conditioning. And it's amazing that everybody seemed to live, um, you know. Uh, you, you made it through, so uh, you know. Let's not be the uh, the wimp generation of the world and uh, feel feel like we can't do it. So uh, as uh, as Coach Fuquay would say, "Suck it up and shut up." Uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, Pastor Fuquay has to be much much nicer than that. Okay, (laughs) Revelation. Now, let me give you a little history and background. The book of Revelation is written to Christians in the first century that are going through a very difficult time of persecution. Now, when you think of persecution in the context of our world today... Uh, if, if in our society today, Southern California, right here, if a Christian in our, uh, our, our midst is going through persecution, what might be going on in their life? What do you think? Someone making fun of them because of their Christianity. Yeah, in the back. Okay, maybe parents not appreciating the fact that their children uh, are living a Christian life and, and a strain in the relationship between uh, child and parent. Yeah? Okay, your friends that you used to hang out with and doing the, uh, the, the things you used to do, uh, they don't want to be your friend anymore. That kind of thing. Maybe say something behind your back. Yeah? Co-workers constantly just bagging on you. Okay, co-workers... Uh, uh, you know, be hard on you at work or, or those kind of things. Now, those are real issues, and if they're going on in your life, I think it's fair to say that that isn't any fun. It isn't, uh, it isn't what you'd like to have in life. But the, that being a description of persecution, compared to what the people that we're reading about here in the book of Revelation and the persecution they were going through, we're talking about two completely different worlds. Persecution in the context that these people were going through is that if you are a Christian, you no longer can be employed. If you are a Christian, you are breaking the law and therefore might be executed because of your faith. The Roman Empire was brutal in expectation of people obeying their laws. And they saw Christians, particularly in the early times, as being people that were flaunting uh, their laws in front of their face and saying, we have a king that is higher than Caesar. We have a king that doesn't bow down to Caesar. And the Roman Empire says, you will bow down to Caesar or we will 
kill you in any number of very painful ways. We might crucify you. We might run you through. We might hang you. We might put you into the Colosseum and let the lions and bears and tigers tear you apart with your wife and your children at your side. So when we're talking about persecution today, if someone doesn't like me and someone doesn't say hi to me when I come into the office, it's a little bit of a different situation than what they were dealing with here. So the book of Revelation is primarily written to the Christians to build them up and to encourage them and to show them it's going to be okay. Things are going to come out on the good side. You've got to hang in there and keep your faith. And in that context, let's pick it up in chapter 1, verse 9. This is where where John sort of identifies himself as the author, and he, he goes through what's called the first vision. It says, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and the patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So he says, hey, you know, I was on Patmos and this vision came to me. On the Lord's day, Sunday, right? On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said, Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the voice of rushing waters. In his right hand he held the seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And then he placed his right hand on me and he said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore what you've seen, what is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands is this. And he goes on and he talks about those things. Then in chapter 2 and 3, he actually has little letters to these seven churches. And the seven churches were actually seven churches, but the application of the letters to the seven churches uh, reaches all the way to us today. But John is seeing this. Remember, this is a time of tremendous persecution. He turns around and he sees and hears the image of Jesus. And he's describing it as his voice was like rushing water. And his, his eyes were like the sun. And just a stunning. And he says, when I saw it, I fell down as if I were dead. In other words, he just collapses of, of seeing this image of Jesus that he has. Now, come ahead. We're going to skip chapter 2 and 3 because those are the letters. And then we're going to pick it up in chapter 4, verse 1. This is going to be now the second vision that he's going to see. 
That first one is very supportive, very encouraging, very comforting. And we're going to find the exact, exact same kind of thing in, in chapter 4. It says, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And so he is going to be able to look into the throne room of heaven. It's what we're going to see right here. And the voice that I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven. So he's looking into the throne room with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. A rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were, the 24 other, were 24 other thrones. And seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white with crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbles and peals of thunder before the throne. Seven lamps were blazing. And there were the seven spirits of God. And also before the throne was what looked like a sea of glass clear as crystal. This is an incredible description he's given, isn't it? Of what he's seeing, his vision into the throne room of God. He says, In the center around the throne were the four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had the face of a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and were covered with eyes all around, even under their wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures gave glory, honor, and thanks to Him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and they worship Him with lives forever and ever. With their lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For You created all things. And by your will, all things were created and have their being. He goes on now in chapter 5, and we're going to see this terminology a couple different times here of you are worthy. And I'll, I'll come back to that because that's really what we want to focus on. But I want us to see this scene that he's, he's describing. Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat at the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found to be worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, and with the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of Him who sat at the throne. And when He had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls 
full of incense, with all which were the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And you're... And with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and every language and people and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom and a priest to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands upon ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creature and the elders and in a loud voice saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them singing to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. So this is a phenomenal vision of triumph. Of it's going to be okay. It's all going to work out in the end. Because you've got to realize these are people that are going through a really hard time. They're scared. They're intimidated. And the Roman Empire is making it really tough on them. And John sees this vision and it's phenomenally positive. And basically the vision that he has says it's going to be fine. Now in the midst of this, you have this discussion of we have the, the, uh, the, the scroll. Who is worthy to open it? And nobody is. And then obviously the figure of Jesus comes and He is worthy. And they... They, they say this again and again. He is worthy. And He is worthy. And that's what I want to really uh, spend a little time talking about uh, here today. Th- this idea of something being worthy. Worthy is a bit of a religious term that when we hear it, we're like, well, I'm not sure exactly what that means. What does it mean to be worthy? Let me help you. Think instead of worthy, think, uh, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Okay? Now I want you to think with me to a thing in your life and a time in your life where you did something or you were involved with something and at the end of it you said, man, that really wasn't worth it. (laughs) You ever done something like that in your life? A few years ago, Chris and I went away uh, to uh, celebrate our uh, anniversary over in Las Vegas. And... uh, I said, hey, um, I've heard of this great restaurant called Joe's Crab Shack. And, and they, have, they have stone crabs. And uh, years ago, Chris and I had been in a restaurant down in Miami, the Miami area. And uh, it was uh, actually Joe's uh, Crab Shack as well. I think it was the original one. And we'd had a meal there, and it was, it was awesome. But the issue when we met there at that particular meeting was is that we weren't actually paying for that dinner and, uh, and it was a sort of all-you-could-eat kind of a thing. And so we had as many stone crabs as we wanted to have. How many of you have, have ever had stone crabs? Some of you guys? I don't see any hands out there. None of you guys know what I'm talking about? You have. Stone crabs. 
crabs are awesome. And you have to take a hammer and whack them and, and, and all that kind of thing. Anyway, but Chris and I were over in Las Vegas celebrating our anniversary. We went to go to Joe's Crab Shack. And we went to Joe's Crab Shack. And we got an order of stone crabs. And I'm not going to tell you what it cost, but there were like two of them. (laughs) And we're both looking at it. We're like, whoa, man, that was a lot of money for not much. And then we, you know, we finished the whole meal and all that, and we got the bill. <laughs> and wow, it was a bill. And you know what? I walked out of that restaurant that night, and I'll bet you can relate with this at one time or another in your life, maybe not exact same circumstance, but I walked out of that restaurant tonight and I said, that wasn't worth it. No way. Was that worth what I paid for that meal and what I got for that meal? Two completely different things, right? Now, there are other things in life that we do and and we look back on it and we're like, you know, there was some sacrifice involved, there's some difficulties involved, but it was worth it. Right? I've got two examples. College students, listen up here. First one is graduating from college. I don't know that I've ever met anybody that graduated from college that says, you know, that was a waste of time. I wish I hadn't done it. Because it's one of those things in life that anyone who graduates from college is going to have to work at it. And and to some degree or another, there's going to be some sacrifice involved. And, and, uh, you know, you're going to have to, uh, uh, you know, probably fight through a little bit. Uh, Most people who graduate from college wanted to quit at least once. Uh, some some want to quit within the first two weeks, you know. <laughs> but uh, you know, when, when you do finally graduate and, and you're out, you're like, you know, that was worth it, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Chris and I've been married 33 years. Be 34? Is that right? No, 32 years going to be 33. That's it. 34 years going to be 35. I married in 81. I'm right. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. This is a watershed moment. You know what? When I got married, I had a lot of things that I had to change. And Chris helped me change those things. Uh, You know? By pointing out what I needed to change, right? Yeah. Uh, first of all, my clothes. She went through my closet and threw out nearly everything I owned. It's gone, man. And, and, and she has been on, on a, a crusade now uh, for years, you know, trying to dress me appropriately. And uh, even, even this morning's outfit was approved before I came to church, you know? See, you know, black shoes, black shirt, black belt. We are coordinated here, man. We got it. But you know what? There's been a lot of things I've had to change. There's been a lot of things that uh, I've had to work at uh, to be a good husband and all that kind of stuff and all that. But you know what? I look at that and I say, you know what? It's totally worth it. Totally worth it to be able to be married to Chris. Win. I, I, I'm, I'm the winner. So we all have certain things in life. You know, you go through some things you say it wasn't worth it. You sacrifice and you give of yourself. There's other things you go through and you say, you know what? 
I, I would do it again. It is worth it to be able to do it. So that will maybe give you a little bit of an idea of this idea of, of what it means to, to be worthy, that Jesus is worthy. Now let me be honest here for a moment. The Christian life, for everyone who wants to be a Christian, at moments, is difficult. There, there's just no, there's no questioning it. The basic call of discipleship, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. The basic call of discipleship for anyone who's a disciple at some times in your life is tough. Self-denial is not necessarily our first choice in many of our lives, is it? You don't want to deny yourself. You'd rather do what you want to do. You know what? You're here at church this morning. If you're here at church this morning, I commend you because... For many of you, there was a choice that you made earlier today. I'm either going to go to church or I'm not. And you could have decided, I don't want to go. Now, hopefully church isn't persecution. You know, <laughs> oh, oh, Marty's preaching today. I've got to go hear him. You know, um, and, 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 and if going to church is the highest level of persecution you deal with, uh, then, then you're going to be pretty lucky. If it's the highest level of sacrifice that you go through in life is making a decision to get your tail out of bed and go to church, then you know, you're, you're, you're going to be okay in life. But there are sacrifices. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. The basics of, of Christianity, the basic call of discipleship is, is involved and has some toughness to it, has some difficulties to it. There's no question about that. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that in fact everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you're a Christian today and you haven't been persecuted, then you're going to be. Somebody somewhere along the line is going to persecute you. Now, I don't think for most of us in our world today of Southern California that we are going to be put in jail for being a Christian. I don't think we're probably going to face the level of persecution from our government that they felt from their government, the Roman Empire. That's probably not going to happen. Now, it might. I don't think it's going to. I wouldn't imagine that it would in the United States of America in 2015. But yet that Scripture does say anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You're going to go through some level of persecution if you're going to be a true Christian. Jesus even said, if everybody likes you, beware. You know, if you're a Christian, some of the things that you believe are not politically correct. If you're a Christian and you're living according to the standards of the Scriptures, some of the things that you think are right and wrong are not the things that you're going to read about in the LA Times as being right and wrong. 
If you're a Christian, some of the things that you believe are not going to be the things that people on your dorm floor believe, in your neighborhood believe, at your place of work believe. You're going to be considered odd. You're going to be considered out of step. You're going to be considered a person that hates. And for some people, that's a very uncomfortable position. Because you want people to like you. You want people to respect you. You want people to have a high opinion of you. But I'm here to tell you, if you're going to be a true and faithful Christian, you are not going to be liked by everybody. You're not going to be received by everybody. You're not necessarily going to be in the in group. Because you're going to do some things that are totally out of step with what the world would do. And you're going to not do some things that are totally out of step with what is totally accepted in the world. There are issues of morality that are involved in being a Christian. Of what you believe about how you're going to live your life. It may be okay in the world to do all kinds of things. But as a child of God, you're going to say, you know, I know that the Scriptures teach me that that's not the way I need to be living my life. And at some point, somewhere, somewhere along the line, there's going to be a situation where you're going to have to say, either I'm going to go with the crowd, or I'm going to say, no, I can't go there. I've got to get out of here. It's time for me to leave this party. It's time for me to leave this situation. Because if I stay here, I'm going to be doing what everybody else is doing. And you're going to, if you make that decision to leave, let me tell you something, they're not going to all talk about you after you leave saying, you know, I respect her. I respect him. They're going to chew you up verbally. And it's going to get tough what may be said. Now just let me say this. I'm tired of people whining today about, well, you know, uh, someone got picked on. Someone got bullied. As if we figured out the concept of bullying in the last 24 months. (laughs) Bullying, picking on somebody, has been going on all my life. I think, I, you know, I forget what I've told you guys sometimes. My freshman year in high school, the tradition at my high school was to take the freshmen and to stick their head in the toilet stool. That was what was fun for the upperclassmen to do to the freshmen. And I got grabbed one day in the hallway. And they drug my butt in the bathroom. And this big guy, Ron Steiner, toughest guy in school, says, you need to stick your head in there. I don't want to do it right now. I'm busy. He's smoking a cigarette. You weren't supposed to be smoking a cigarette in the bathroom either, but you walk in there and it looked like a cloud. I mean, everybody, everybody in there is smoking a cigarette in the, in the bathroom. And he said, you need to stick your head in the toilet. And I said, no. He said, if you don't stick it in there, I'm going to stick it in there for you. I said, well, you're going to have to do it because I'm not going to do it. And I was scared, shaken, I guess. And he said, you know, I like you, kid. 
you got some guts, get out of here. Now what I didn't know was that this kid wrestled 167 on the, on the wrestling team. And I was going to be the varsity 98 pound on the wrestling team. And he and I became really good friends in wrestling season. And we'd warm up together. Big tough Ron Steiner and little, 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 little Marty Fuquay, the 98 pounder. Ron's dead now. He, he went to prison. Got killed in prison. He never, he, he never learned much. He's a pretty tough guy. Yes. But you know what? There's times in life, guys, you have to stand up for who you are. Yeah. The whole world may say, you need to do this. And you, some, sometimes you just got to say, no, I ain't going to do it. And you got to have some grit and some backbone. And you got to stand up for yourself in, in your life. But bullying ain't a new thing. So, you know, toughen up. Quit feeling sorry for yourself and take a stand. The pull of the world on Christians. Let's talk about that for a minute. If you're a Christian, it's almost like there's a tractor beam on you. Sorry for the Star Trek analogy. That is pulling you. You're you're trying to get out of the world. You're trying to get out of the sin. You're trying to get out of the life you used to live. And it's just like there's a tractor beam on you. Pulling you right back in to who you were, the way you lived, before you became a Christian. If you've been a Christian for a couple weeks, it happens. If you've been a Christian for a couple decades, it happens. It happens, guys. And I can tell you, I've been a Christian since November 7th, 1977 is when I got baptized. That's a long time ago now. I don't want to do the math on that. It's, it's many, many years. Many years before many of you were born. Many years before many of your parents were, were Christians. You know, what, what, whatever the case. And you know what? I still feel the pull pulling me back into the world. There's still an enormous pull on me for me to want to be the Marty Fuquay before he became a Christian. Isn't that amazing? I'm almost 60 years old, yet there I still feel the pull pulling me back in. Pulling me back in. Be that Marty. He wasn't that bad of a guy. As a matter of fact, he was sort of a cool guy in some ways. He, 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 you know, and, and, and the world starts to pull you back in by, man, you were sort of cool when you were a non-Christian. Remember all the fun things you used to do? And, and, and your mind goes there and you're like, yeah, man, you know, that was sort of cool. That was sort of fun. And, and, and pulling you right back in. The Christian life is tough. Is it worth it? See, is your Christian life Joe's Crab Shack? Man, I became a Christian. I quit drinking. I quit getting drunk all the time. I quit doing this. I quit stealing. I quit, you know, and, 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 and. Man, I can still be having a lot of fun. Or is your Christian life. <laughs> it's tough sometimes, but I am so glad I didn't. Yeah. 
See, is Jesus worthy to you? Is being a child, is it worth it? In your mind, you've got to look at it in your own life. They, they, they look at this and they say, man, no one can open this thing except Jesus. He's worthy. There's some hardship out there, but He's, he's worth it. He's worthy. I think where most people need to be in their Christian life is, yes, there are difficult times, but if I start looking at the difficulties and hardships of the Christian life compared to the blessings and privileges that I have as, as a Christian, it isn't even close. I look at my life and I think, where would Marty Fuquay be? What would my life be now at 59 if I hadn't become a Christian? Would I have married Chris? Most assuredly, no. She wouldn't have had me. But we met at church. Would I have known how to raise children? Well, I would have had the example of my parents to draw upon, which had many good things about it. But would I have had the availability of all the help and all the advice that I got from so many people to talk to them about, what do I do with Ben? What do I do with Maria? What do I do with Anya? Man, there were so many people that Chris and I talked to in the time when we were raising our children. I can't even begin to tell you all the advice we got. If we had to pay for all the Christian counseling we'd gotten on our marriage and on our family, we'd be broke. <laughs> we, we have been the beneficiaries of unbelievable amount of care and love and concern of so many people. Where would my life be? Where would my marriage be? What kind of husband do you think I'd have been if I hadn't become a Christian? Bad. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't have any experience in that area. Because you know, there's so many times as a Christian you realize the only reason I'm doing this is because I'm a Christian. If I were doing what I was tempted to do right now, if I were saying what I was tempted to say right now, it would not be good. If I were acting the way I wanted to act right now, how many times in my life, how many times in your life as a child of God have you said, if I were acting and doing what I thought, you know, just on the top of my head, I would be acting and doing a lot of really bad things. I would say some things that would be incredibly bad and hurtful to my wife, my children, to you guys, whoever might listen to me. See, you've got to ask yourself, is Jesus worth it? Is He worthy? And these guys, did you notice as we read through that, they are praising, they are, they are singing, they are all together, and, 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 and he's, he's got this imagery of thousands upon thousands upon thousands. Remember, these people are being persecuted. They're feeling alone. They're feeling scared. They're feeling like, man, there's a, there's a Roman soldier behind every rock. And John says, hang on, baby. You wait till you see the throne room. I got to peek through the door, and it is incredible. And they are saying, Jesus 
is worthy. Ultimately, you and I both have to make that choice. Is it worthy or is it not? If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're thinking about maybe becoming a Christian? I know where you're at. I, I, I know I, I was there at a time in my life. You've got to ask yourself, okay, if, 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 you, if you extend your life, if you continue on and where, where are you going right now, where are you going to be? Well, what is life going to hold for you with the moral life that you're living right now? And I'm telling you, Jesus is worth whatever sacrifice, whatever difficulty that you can envision that might come into your life because of becoming a Christian. You say, well, I think my mom and dad may not be fired up about it. I can't tell you how many people over the years aren't fired up about their children becoming Christians. About 15, 20 years later, they're awful fired up about it. Because their kids not only straightened up and, and got through school and, and, and got their life together and got married to a great person and have great kids, they see the results going on in those people's lives and they're like, you know, I think it turned out okay. I think it's where it needs to be. Here's the thing, guys. All of us have to just make this decision. Is it worthy or is it not worthy to be a child of God? And we're going to continue on for the next several weeks. We're going to have a number of different lessons that are going to get more practical than today. Today was a little bit more maybe ethereal uh, up there in the uh, in heavens, you know, uh, of, of looking into heaven and all that. But we're going to get practical as we go along here about this idea of living a worthy life. But I thought today would be very interesting for us to go into Revelation, uh, the beginning there, and sort of see this. I, probably for most of you, you've never heard a lesson on the throne room of God. So, uh, you know, uh, a new beginning for you, and uh, hopefully a good challenge for you as well. Sorry it's been warm in here today, but, uh, you know, you will live. Have a great week.